the Reds 13 man position player roster is pretty much set. We'll tell you what the Reds lineup might look like on opening day and how the Reds can get everyone their playing time. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks so much for joining us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, your Cincinnati Reds, every single day. My name is Jeff Gar. He is Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. We are free and available on all platforms every single day. As we go throughout the offseason, we get ready for the 2024 season as the Reds continue to make this team into a playoff team. We're going to be here with you every single day. And today we are going to look at the position side of things. Pitching has been a huge conversation point all off season long, and will continue to be as the Reds look to improve it. But position wise, this team is pretty much set. There's not a whole lot of movement that can be had unless you're looking at moving guys in, in position in, in relation to the everyday eight out there, which by the way, the Reds don't have an everyday eight. We'll get into that. There's lots of different things that this lineup can be, but for the most part, it's pretty much set. We're going to tell you why. And then later on, we will get into some other stuff as well. Some minor transactions and things like that. Thanks so much for joining us here. Today's episode is of course brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And where we will get started is the idea, the, the, the lineup, because, all right, there's platoons, there's righties, there's lefties that the Reds have to face. In fact, if you look at what the, the Pirates are doing, they now have two bona fide left-handed starting pitchers on their rotation. So you know you're going to face a lot of lefties when you're talking about in-division games. But for the most part, this position the 13 position players are pretty much set and so when we look at the lineup we can kind of start to figure that out before the spring training experimentation begins now a couple of disclaimers this is a look at the lineup if the season started today and everybody is healthy 100 ready to go so surprisingly, by putting those conditions on it, Jeff, and, and beginning to look at who would be the best nine players that the Reds have of the 13 to put on the field, there aren't a lot of platoons. There's some juggling to be done. And, and I know that at the end of the day, David Bell's nature is going to prevent him from just running this lineup out there every day. He's going to tinker. He's going to scoop people around. He's going he's gonna to not be as straightforward with it as we are being with it right now. But just taking it at, at a surface look, there's really one platoon on this entire lineup, and that's right field. The the right field that we've continued to talk about them needing to upgrade, uh, and they haven't. Uh, by the way, Teoscar Hernandez still available. If you're listening, Nick Crawl, you can go out there and get that guy. Uh, but if they don't, if they don't go and add an outfield bat, a right-handed power bat, the only platoon that I'm finding looking at this 13-man roster is with Will Benson in right field. So so let's break this down. Best nine guys, right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher on the mound. For the right-handed pitchers, 
this was not a hard exercise for me, Jeff. Uh, again, right field, I put Will Benson out there. I liked what he was able to do last season against right-handed pitching. I like, uh, we'll get to a potential lineup here in a minute. I like what you can do with him when he's in the lineup. Uh, but for me, I'm going to start there in right field and let's just work our way around. Uh, you and I have both talked about the fact that we believe that TJ Friedel, barring another signing, is going to be the everyday center fielder. Yeah. He's going to play against right-handers and left-handers. So I put him out there versus right-handed pitching in center field. Left fielder, Spencer Steer. That's what the Reds are telling us. I, I believe them. I believe that that's going to be his primary position in 2024. So there he is. Opening day, left fielder, Spencer Steer. First base against right-handed pitching. I've got CES over there because I think he's going to be a guy that does move around. I see him uh, at least versus the right-handed pitcher playing first base. Uh, moving along to second base, I have Matt McClain, Jeff. Uh, shortstop, of course, Ellie De La Cruz. Third base, Noel V. Marte. Catching Tyler Stevenson as primary catcher number one. And then in this right-handed pitcher configuration, I have Candelario, the newest addition to the Reds position player group, uh, being the designated hitter versus right-handed pitching. Again, Candelario, a switch hitter, so you don't have to worry about platoon problems with him. I like that because really when you look at Marte and CES, I think they profile better defensively than Candelario does at either position. Uh, I, I really like CES's ability, and I think that it's so underrated, his ability to move around and his arm. He could even play some third base, uh, and we're going to get into why he is a decent option on the left-handed order out in right field. But I, I think that there is plenty of infield defensive depth on this team as it is that you don't have to play Candelario in the field if you don't want to. And again, these, we're looking at this. This is on paper. This is not considering off days, injuries, anything like that. This is if everybody's healthy, if everything is equal, this is what we see on the right-handed side of things. So let's look at the left-handed side. Not a lot of changes, like we said. I mean, you know, most of the guys on here can hit lefties pretty well. Uh, even when you're talking about the lefty and TJ Friedel, in fact, he's got reverse splits. He hits better against left-handed pitching than he does against right-handed pitching. But the, the change being, like we mentioned, right field, CES would get a look out there in right field. That's going to be a spring training experiment. We're going to see how this works. He has the arm. The question will be, does he have the range? Does he have the glove? Can he have good routes? Things like that defensively in right field. But you get his bat in the lineup against lefties while also keeping Candelario's bat in the lineup there and keeping um, uh, Marte's bat in the lineup as well, because this team has so many good right-handed hitters as it is. I think you can really turn this lineup against lefties into a strength because you have CES and right Friedel stays in center steer left Candelario would move to first base in this configuration. Matt McClain at second Ellie De La Cruz at short. Noelfi Marte at third, Tyler Stevenson a catcher, catcher number one. And then Jonathan India would move into the designated hitter spot against lefties. And this would mitigate his def his defensive need. And we talk about how, you know, positionally it's kind of hard to figure out where he where he uh you know factors into the equation. Put him in DH, you don't have to worry about that. And and that's really the reason why I, I focused in on uh, CES making that move to the outfield versus other players. And it's not because do I think Noel V. Marte can go out and play the outfield? Absolutely. He has yeah. the talent, the athleticism to go out there. I, I, I see I, the comments are blowing up right now. Ellie De La Cruz to the outfield. Yes. Okay. He could play outfield. He could do You're it. right. Yeah, I could absolutely do it. 
I don't want him to, but he could absolutely do it. Here's the reason why it was CES that I moved because his replacement is now Candelario at first base. The defense remains sound. You keep Marte at third base. The defense remains sound. India is now the designated hitter. You eliminate his defense. Listen, he's not a defensive liability per se, but there would be a drop-off if you made other combinations of moves. And make no McLean mistake. McLean is better defensively, yeah. Correct. McLean is better. So make no mistake. David Bell is going to tinker with this throughout games. People are going to be moving all over the place. But just as a, as a foundation, as a starting point, this, I think, these two groups of players, right versus right-handed pitchers versus left-handed pitchers, these are the two best offensive providing groups of players that don't give you defensive liability uh, as, as badly as could be possible. Now I, I know Spencer steer has some things to prove to be in the everyday outfielder, but that's what the red said he's going to be. And I know for a fact, he is working his butt off this off season to get better in the outfield. You can, you can write that down. It's a lock. So uh, before before we condemn him to being the worst left fielder in the league, let's see what improvements he made from rookie year to sophomore year. Let's see what happens there. But for me, this is the best potential lineup, Jeff, to, to get this offense going and to not allow defensive errors to keep other teams in the game. When you look at these two position player groups uh, versus right and left-handed, that leaves you a bench of four guys with the 13-player cap that Major League Baseball has on position players on a roster. The four guys on the bench now are Jake Fraley, who's probably going to be your first guy off the bench, your first pitch hitter anytime a uh, situation presents itself where he can get in there versus a right-hander. He'll also be the guy to give TJ Friedel a day off versus a right-handed pitcher. He'll be the guy to give Will Benson a day off if need be uh, when it comes up and there's a, a right-handed pitcher on the mound. Also on the bench during uh, when there's a right-hander pitching, uh, Jonathan India would be on the bench. But again, the Reds have said he is going to see time at first base. He's going to see time in spring training in the outfield, hoping that he can pull that off. Uh, we know he'll see some time at second base. We know he'll see some time at DH. Now the Reds mm -hmm. haven't used the words third base and Jonathan India in the public yet. But he was and I get it. There. I get it, but he's played third base. He was drafted as a third baseman. It would not shock me to see him get some time there. Now, is Jonathan India a starting third baseman in the major leagues? No, he is not. But he could give you a game. He could give you four or five innings during a game, as David Bell does the great shuffle. Uh, he could give you those things. Uh, that's two of your four bench players in that configuration. Uh, that leaves you the odd man out in all of this, Jose Barrero, who is going to be getting the table scraps at uh, infield, outfield, wherever. I wonder if they're going to teach him to be the emergency catcher. Who knows? Because <laughs> they're going to have to find ways to at least keep him seeing pitching once every two weeks. It's going to be hard for him to crack the lineup, whether it's a righty or a lefty on the mound. And then rounding it out is uh, catcher number two, uh, in Luke Maley. So uh, this is not a bad group of 13, Jeff. I no. mean, it, I thought there were going to be a lot more platoons and it's really less about platooning and it's just going to be a more about scooting guys around, creating your best matchups and doing things to, to keep everyone sharp. But really, you know, we talked about, is there this drastic need to, to trade Jonathan India? And there clearly is not because listen, I'm going to say it at the risk of, of ending up in, in, Twitter X purgatory that I'm saying everybody's going to get injured. I'm not saying that, but it's 162 it games. People are going to get dinged up. And the mm -hmm. Reds, I think, are uniquely positioned in 2024 
to deal with a guy getting dinged up for a couple weeks because there's so many variations to this lineup where you can replace one guy and everybody can make an adjustment and you still have your best defensive configuration with a pretty good uh, possibility of offensive production. And I think the important thing here is in years past, we've had a platoon because there's been guys that are just bad in situations. I think now the platoon is who has the biggest advantage and it's not because someone has a huge disadvantage. I think that David Bell has a pretty fun job on his hands, figuring out all of these platoons because this 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 roster, the position player side of this roster is full and it is deep. You are absolutely right. And coming up in just a second, we're going to talk about potential lineups now. What does this look like in a batting order, one through nine? We're going to get into all of that coming up in just a second. But before we tell you where Matt McLean is going to be batting, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by FanDuel. As the temperatures drop and it gets cold outside, the promotions over at FanDuel, they are catching on fire. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, and right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Yes, I know. I told you all to stay away from the Bengals. Won't hear this often. Write it down. I was wrong. The Bengals have been a money line winning machine. They have not lost a game, in fact since I said that. So maybe you want to throw a $5 money line bet at them coming up this week, because if you hit on that bet, you're going to get 150 bucks back in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including uh, point spreads, player props, over-unders, which should be called the Jeff Carr category, and so much more. You can also combine prop bets on a game into a single game parlay for even more fun. Uh, some Reds related odds over there. Hunter Green, 40 to 1 odds to win the National League Cy Young. And Andrew Abbott and Nick Lodolo both sit at 120 to 1 odds. You know, they're not saying it's not going to happen. Maybe throw a few dollars at those because if you hit, you're going to hit big. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start turning your sports knowledge into cash. Today, FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League and the official sportsbook of Locked On. Locked On has launched its first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of the Locked On Network, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, coming up next show, which is actually a little bit later today, we're going to do Aloha Friday on a Thursday because it's a holiday and we're all... Listen, we're back at you in a few hours with a live show. That's what you need to know. 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 2 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, I had to do the math in my head real quick. 2 p.m. Eastern time is when we will be with you with another live edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Aloha Thursday we're going to do this week. So get your Aloha shirt out, Jeff. Uh, there has been some requests in the comments that you at least try a button. You don't have to try them all, <laughs> but maybe try a button to make the YouTube we'll viewers see. We'll see. a little more comfortable. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a lot more to talk about with this lineup, Jeff, because uh, yeah. you know, as I mentioned, the this group of 13, uh, right now on paper, looking at it, this is a pretty formidable lineup. 
Uh, there are the risks of sophomore slumps. We recognize that. There are some things that each of these players need to continue to work on. Almost none of these guys has achieved their ceiling. Uh, there's some work to be done, but there is a lot of reason to be hopeful uh, depending on exactly how David Bell structures this lineup to begin the season. Yeah, and we just hear Dusty in our heads saying, hey, it's going to work itself out. But yeah, as of right now, the way that this lineup looks, you can pretty much pencil in the nine. You got TJ Friedel's going to lead off really against either right-handers or left-handers. You got Matt McClain going to bat second again, both situations. Ellie, CES, Candelario, Steer, Marte. That your your first seven really aren't going to change. Righty, lefty, whatever. We got Friedel, McLean, Ellie, CES, Candelario, Steer, Marte. Candelario, I really like at that five spot. And I keep I keep thinking like everyone's kind of underestimating him because they saw him as the extra guy, you know, right? The, the guy that the Reds didn't need to go sign. This has made the roster so good and so flexible and so deep, but he's also a good RBI guy. He's he's a very good line drive hitter, hit a lot of doubles, and he I, he's going to feast at Great American Ballpark. I truly believe that. So batting him fifth just is a really good spot. Steer and Marte six and seven, and then you kind of swap your eight nine guys depending on who is pitching with Stevenson and Benson against lefties, and then you got India and Stevenson against righties. But we kind of mention it and and go in. We're going to go into this in a little bit of detail. Will Benson being the best number nine hitter in Major League Baseball really is more of a weapon than it is kind of a sarcastic joke that we have. No, I I liked that usage of Benson last year, and that's why I put him back there heading into 2024 because I liked once you got into the game that the nine hitter was not an automatic out. That he was really truly a production wise guy, uh, an additional leadoff hitter. So I mean, think about that for a moment. Uh, when you're playing against right-handed pitchers, you get to the bottom of the lineup. It's Marte, Stevenson, Benson, and then that rolls back around into Friedel, McLean, Ellie, CS. That is a beast of a lineup to face, and I think that particular configuration has the potential to put a lot of runs on the board in 2024. Absolutely, and the the thing for me, and the, this is kind of squinting really hard, maybe playing devil's advocate, and also you know really really kind of trying but you could see david bell tinker a little bit maybe put fraley in center maybe give friedel a day off or just add more power to the lineup like i could see this being a thing and and, and we talk about jake fraley as the odd man out i don't think that means that he's just not going to play that means that he's going to be this this kind of left-handed bat weapon off the bench or in situations, maybe they're facing a fireballing pitcher or something. And they want to add power to the lineup. You can, you can bring Fraley in, you can bring in Jonathan Indian in a different spot or something like that and kind of mess around with this and really throw a lot of different things at an opposing manager An opposing manager is not going to be able to come into Cincinnati and know who he's facing on a daily basis because they're going to be able to churn this so much, but the best order on paper this is kind of how we're looking at it. And it's so funny to me, Steve, because we talked about this going into last season, how we thought that Tyler Stevenson was going to come in and be this lead up or the, not lead up the, the, the cleanup hitter that was going to bring in all the runs. Now we're talking about the fact that even if he could bounce back, like we said, he's still going to be batting like eighth or ninth. 
Yeah, if 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 he's the guy that we think he's going to be, I don't make any adjustments at all to this lineup. I I, mm-hmm. I leave everybody where they're at, the way we have constructed this. And and you're right with with your point to Fraley and guys are going to get in. Look, I would I would say you know between ninety and ninety five percent of the Reds games in twenty twenty four, twelve of the thirteen players on the roster get into the game. Uh, the only uh, the only exception to that is the catcher position. I think they won't use both catchers in every single game, every single time. But ninety five percent of the time, I think you're going to see twelve guys all get at bats yeah. in a game. So. So for me, it's not really, I mean, I know there's a pride thing and you don't want to be the guy that's not starting. And uh, we've also seen though, that Fraley is a team guy. And I think he would adjust well to a role where he's the first guy off the bench. He's the, he's the go-to pinch hit bat. He's making switches in mid game when, you know, you've chased the left-handed starting pitcher and now you're into the bullpen facing righties. We'll see Fraley then. So, you know, by, by no means am I saying that Fraley's not going to play. I I just, I keep looking at this Jeff and I'm getting more and more excited because to, to have that kind of stability, as we said, you know, one through seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one through seven in this lineup, you can pretty much just run them out there every day. Now they might be playing a different defensive position, they may have scooted around to make an adjustment, but those are your guys. And, and I think that that will, I think that more than, you know, most of the other things that can be done for many of these players in their second year, just that consistency of knowing every day I'm showing up, I'm getting ready. I'm hitting fourth. You know, if, if you're CES, I'm hitting fourth and that's what I'm going to do. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to wonder about it. I don't have to, to guess at who might be in front of me in the lineup. Will they be on base? Won't they? I know what's up. And I think that could go a long way in helping to, you know, it's not going to fend off the potential, the potential for a sophomore slump, but it will create an, an era of consistency to allow these guys to develop and progress more. I think. And that's the important thing to remember because we, we've talked about this in the past where David Bell like lauded the ability to play somebody anywhere at any point in the lineup on any day. Uh, these guys are all human. And I mean, you're this way. I'm this way. I don't know anybody that wants to wake up every day having no idea what's going to happen, having no idea where they're going to go, where they're going to work, where the food's going to. They want to know. They want to have an expectation. And now David Bell is going to be able to give these guys an expectation for the most part for, for, you know, I'd say nine out of these 13 guys, they're going to know exactly what they're going to be doing on a daily basis. And the fact that late into games, he's going to be able to play these matchups and it's not going to be, you know, (laughs) God, God bless us all Reds fans. We don't have to worry about this crap where it's going to be like, Oh my God, he's going to the bench and he's bringing in Kevin Newman. Is this really going to work? Is this really what we're doing here? We don't have to worry about that anymore. There's not going to be these weird matchups that David Bell's going to think that he's exploiting. Oh, but don't you worry. You're going to see Jose Barrero off the bench. It's going to happen. <laughs> it just hopefully yeah. doesn't happen as often Got with Barrero as it did with Newman. Yeah. No, that's not, that's <laughs> well, i tell you this, though, Steve. That, <laughs> this, this is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing, Jeff. This yeah. is the thing. If you're not excited right now as a Reds fan looking at this position player group, I, I just don't know what to tell you. We need to check your pulse. Yeah. <laughs> we need to check your pulse if you're not excited about the way this Reds position group is falling out. All right. There's been a couple of moves, and we need to catch up on a couple of uh, – there was a trade, there was a signing, and what it all means for the Reds as we move through the offseason. We'll talk about that coming up next. Before we do that, though, 
want to let you know you can follow us in between episodes you can follow me on twitter you can follow steve on twitter x x twitter whatever uh you can follow me at jeff Carr with three f's you can follow steve at s offenbaker with two f's and you can follow the show at lockdown reds there's no there's no f's in that also make sure you bookmark inside the reds.com we are writing about the reds as much as we're talking about the reds uh, I'm writing there. Steve's writing there. We got a lot of great folks, James Rapine, uh, Austin Elmore, and uh, Rick Cuccino from 700WLW and iHeartRadio. Uh, so many great people writing about the Reds at InsideTheReds.com. Bookmark that site as we're coming to the Reds in all media forms. And join the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Got a link in the description of today's episode. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball all year long. All right, Steve, there were a couple of moves. The most recent being a guy who up until just a moment ago was on the bench, TJ Hopkins. He is now a San Francisco Giant. The Reds sent him to the Giants uh, for a player to be named later or cash. Hopkins was actually DFA'd whenever the Reds signed Austin wins. They now have three catchers on the roster. You notice, though, when we gave you our projection of the 13 position players we did not include, Austin wins. That is because his contract includes a minor league stipulation. I think this is going to be just a kind of a, a go between here. But what was kind of your first thought when you saw these moves? So the thing with Austin wins, I understand why everybody got a little worked up because the Reds gave him the welcome to Reds country tweet and right. and it, it drew some attention to it and and everybody lost their mind. Oh, we're back to the three catcher. No, we're not back. To the three catcher thing. I, I like that it has a a clause to start him out in AAA. That will be great. He's insurance. Uh, he's going to be next season's version of Chucky Robinson, a guy that you have kind of stashed that can come give you a couple games if you need it, and, and then you can go from there. Uh, I don't know how that contract works as far as bringing him up and down. I suspect that once they bring him up, it would have to go through the normal designating for assignment process and another team could pluck him, but it doesn't seem to be a real concern for the Reds. That's a nice little Austin wins is a nice little insurance policy. The, the one that says a whole lot that speaks volumes is this TJ Hopkins trade. And the fact that the Reds were willing to designate him for assignment in the first place, you know, this is a team that is not very deep in the outfield. In fact, we're still asking them to go out and sign an outfielder. Uh, you know, obviously TJ Hopkins got some looks last season. And when you take that into account and the fact that they were willing to designate him for assignment and now they've traded him for probably what will end up being a little bit of cash. Uh, it says to me that they didn't like what they saw when he came up last season. Uh, I don't know what that is, but he seemingly did not make any adjustments in the, the little bit of playing time that he got. He was underwhelming for me in the outfield. I mean, he was fine. It was okay. He, he wasn't terrible, but you know, underwhelming I I think that's how I would rate his debut and you know he didn't get a long prolonged look but he had some opportunities and I think the Reds ultimately decided that he just wasn't their guy so for them to be able to get a little bit of something back for him clear up space I think they made this move in the Candelario signing if I remember correctly this is how they made no it was with the Austin Wynn signing the Austin Wynn signing okay so that made room on the 40 man. Uh, you know, I'm perfectly okay with it. Um, you know, I trust that the Reds player development people and the coaching staff know more than I do about TJ Hopkins. And I just think it says that they didn't really like what they saw when they had him on the big league roster last year. When I think the move was twofold. Number one, the reason that they freed up the roster spot and brought in Austin Wynn 
is because I think Nick Kroll was really tired of looking out on the waiver wire and looking out on the free agent market in the middle of July if there's some sort of catcher injury. He wants to have that guy. He's like, okay, we know who we have. We can bring him up from AAA. We don't have to worry about, you know, let, let, let's face it. Austin Romine, we had a couple of nice little highlights from that year, but that is like the highest the best you can expect if you're getting a waiver wire catcher edition in the middle of July or the middle of June or something like that. He wanted to avoid doing that. So he went out and he got a guy in Austin Wynn to do that. That was more valuable of a roster spot of a 40 man roster spot than what TJ Hopkins was provided because here's the other part of the TJ Hopkins trade. That is where do you rank TJ Hopkins when you consider Jose Barrera and Stuart Fairchild? I think he's third on that list. Like, and, and again, that's not like a crazy, like we are so happy about rate and ranking these three guys, but Jose Barrera's got much more upside than TJ Hopkins does. And I think Stuart Fairchild has more power in his bat. And we've seen what Fairchild can do. So you trust that a little bit more and you're not going to expose Jose Barrero to waivers uh, over TJ Hopkins. So that's what they were doing right there. Just freeing up that spot. Um, as far as a clause goes, you know, going between uh, Louisville and Cincinnati for Austin wins, maybe it's something that he can always get four times his fuel points at a local uh, grocery store gas station uh, whenever he makes his purchases at that local grocery store. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the clause, but, you know, remember, what was it? It was a couple of years ago when CNL Perez, it felt like every other day was either in Louisville or Cincinnati, which now he's become this amazing closer for the, the Orioles. But example, that's really, yeah. that's the example you're going to use was Perez. I'm just saying how many times he went in between. Did like, you, did he get the fuel points? Because man was going to make some really easy gas purchases. If he had the fuel points. God, that's terrible. <laughs> corporate, oh. corporate sponsorship there for the Reds. No. And these are just, you know, minor moves. I, I'm not convinced that the Reds are completely done with major moves. Nope. I, I think they're still active in the starting pitcher market. I think they're probably still talking to a right-handed outfielder. Uh, it's just a question of where this market shakes out. You and I were talking about this during show prep, uh, and I think you were pretty spot on. Uh, you know, Shohei Otani may have been a holdup from a financial standpoint for some teams, but not all teams, uh, because he's just such a an outlier with being the, the pitcher – position player dual threaded thing i think really this market is on hold right now pending a couple big free agent signings to kind of set the terms for everybody else right yeah yeah yamamoto for the pitching side of things and um cody bellinger for the position side of things because i i think everybody knows that yamamoto is going to get the next biggest deal and everybody knows that position wise is going to be cody bellinger over everybody else so i i think that's where the holdup is. I don't think it's necessarily that the Reds are like offering and nobody's biting. I think it's that the agents for these players, who in most parts is Scott Boris, is waiting on the big contracts to move. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on the pitching aside, especially. Uh, really, it, whether one guy's got to sign and it's got to be either Yamamoto or Snell. One of those yeah. two guys have to sign a deal and that will kind of set it up for everybody else. I, I don't look at that Glasnow extension as being a market setter because I think everybody recognizes the Dodgers probably overpaid a little bit. It's a market there. messer upper, but it's not a market it's setter. A, yeah, it's not the setter. So <laughs> uh, I'll be interested to see what Snell does. Yamamoto is going to get a lot of money also. And I think once one of those two guys sign, it's going to be game on as far as the rest yeah. of the pitchers go. Uh, and you're probably right about Bellinger also. Um, 
I, I bet you that that's what uh, Hernandez's people are waiting on. Oh, yeah. uh, if if they're if they're good at their jobs, that's what they're waiting on. So uh, I'm not I'm not particularly disappointed that we haven't heard more from the Reds on these moves. I think that there truly is a holding pattern pending those two or three other moves, and then things will get moving again. And we have just under two months until pitchers and catchers report. There's still plenty of time, plenty of time for moves to happen. And I mean, there's moves that happen during spring training too. So that's why the MLB offseason is so strange compared to everybody. Like it feels like NFL, NBA, all the big name free agents sign like almost immediately after free agency opens. MLB, it's a slow burn. That's why we call it the hot stove. Sometimes the burners set on like two, and sometimes the burners set on like max. Right now the burner's like you know two or three something like that, and we'll 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 warm up a little bit more here uh, as the off season moves along. That's why you want to stick with Lockdown Reds because we're going to have you covered about rumors, about transactions, about everything that goes on with the Reds. And coming up later today, we've got Aloha Friday on a Thursday because holiday weekend's going to mess everything. Holiday. Yeah, holiday weekend, but Aloha Thursday coming at you in just a few hours. Make sure you join us live on the Lockdown Reds YouTube page. Steve, until then, what can people expect from you and me? We're going to keep looking at these rumors and these transactions and checking in with all of our sources and all of the beat writers and gather up all that information. Bring it right back here to keep you locked on Reds every single day.